Miracy. Part of what coaches need to understand is how trauma works and how trauma creates behavior patterns. So getting trauma-informed is really important whether you're actually doing trauma-informed coaching or not. Because we need to understand people. We need to understand how the mind works, where behaviors come from. Have you ever stood at the crossroads of therapy and coaching, wondering where the boundaries melt and synergies emerge? If so, you're in for a treat because in this episode, we're delving deep into the topic of whether coaches can incorporate therapeutic elements to clear past issues and enhance their coach approach. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped tens of thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. Today, we'll be diving into an enlightening conversation with someone who has successfully bridged the worlds of therapy and coaching. Whether you're just beginning your coaching journey or you're an established expert in the field, stay with us to discover how integrating therapeutic techniques might revolutionize the way you coach. I've invited Lion Goodman today to discuss the topic with me, and he's a professional certified trauma-informed therapeutic coach. He's also CEO of the Clear Beliefs Institute, dedicated to awakening and healing and enlightening humanity. He's taught workshops and trainings around the world. He's authored five books. He's also the co-author of a new book, Transforming Trauma, with Joe Fidali, Marcy Shimoff, and many others. Welcome, Lion. Thank you, Melinda. It is a true pleasure to be back here with you. Yes, to be back. I'm really excited to have you returning to the show. And before we dive into our conversation today, would you mind just sharing a little bit of your background in case our listeners didn't catch your previous episode? Sure. See, my most famous story is that I got shot and almost killed at the age of 26. And so most people want me to talk about that topic, but I'm tired of talking about it. So I've experienced trauma. I'll just put it that way. And then I went into executive search. I spent 25 years in the executive search business of finding people for jobs for corporations around the U.S. And then when the dot bomb happened and uh, nobody needed my services anymore, I became a coach. And because that was really the part of headhunting that I loved the most was working with people. And I took some training, dove into coaching. I really thrived in it. But one thing kept bothering me, and that is that my clients would I'd give them great advice, great practices to do, and then they'd come back the next week and they'd say, well, I didn't do it, or I didn't do my homework, or yeah, nothing changed because I didn't do the practice. And I was really frustrated and by this resistance and excuses. And so I began looking into my own background of how did I heal myself from those kinds of blocks and resistance and barriers. And so I started applying those techniques to my coaching, and suddenly the coaching worked. People were actually changing and transforming. And that led me to develop the Clear Beliefs Method of Trauma-Informed Therapeutic Coaching, which I now teach, and we have 600-plus graduates around the world. And they get incredible results of transforming their clients, not just informing them. And so that's a brief background. I love that distinction, transforming versus informing. Now, in our previous episode, 
You talked to us about your clear beliefs method that you just mentioned, and we got a glimpse of the seamless integration of the trauma-informed techniques in coaching. And today, we're taking that conversation even deeper with a burning question in the coaching industry. Can coaches do therapy or clear the past? So to kick things off, I'd love to hear your initial thoughts on where the line is drawn between therapy and coaching, especially when it comes to addressing past experiences. How do you navigate this and give us some clarity on this? The coaching industry, and especially the schools of coaching, say that the line is temporal, that coaches work with the present and the future. We help people figure out where they are and where they want to go, and then we help them get there. And therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists, they deal with the past. We don't deal with the past. Now, to me, that's absurd because what stops people from moving forward is stuff from their past. Old programs, negative or limiting beliefs, traumas that they experienced that they decided they were no good. So all those internal voices and the internal programs, that's what was preventing people and is still preventing people from moving forward with the great ideas that coaches have. Coaches want to help people make their lives better. But if what's holding them back is the past, they either have to refer all of those clients, which is pretty much all of them, to a therapist, or they have to learn how to deal with the stuff from the past. Now, I don't do therapy. I'm not a therapist. I'm not trained as a therapist. I do coaching. But the way I do coaching is by applying techniques to clear the past, to change the past, to clear the limiting beliefs from the core of the psyche, and then things change. Then people say, oh my God, that weight has been lifted off my shoulders. I am not resisting marketing anymore. I can now move forward with my life. Now I can do those practices without resistance. So that's the key to what we can do as coaches. The line between coaching and therapy to me is very arbitrary, and it has nothing to do with reality. Now, when we think about the past, sometimes it's not about healing the past, as I think about it, but they've got to change the patterns that they've been living in. What's the distinction between healing the past and just changing patterns? Because if you keep bringing the same patterns to try to accomplish something, I mean, like, that's the definition of insanity. And so as a coach, we've got to undo those patterns that don't serve them, help them establish new patterns so that they can get the results and transformation. But how do you make that distinction between healing the past or just changing the patterns? To have that conversation, we have to go a little deeper. We have to look at what is experience, what is memory, and how does time work? We're not really healing the past because the past isn't here. What's here is our memory of the past. And the conclusions we came to from our past experience, those conclusions are beliefs. And this goes all the way back to when we're in the crib as an infant. Baby's crying and nobody comes. So she cries louder and louder and louder and finally somebody comes. And that pattern continues. The child concludes at an experiential level, this has nothing to do with the mental verbal mind, that if I cry and make a fuss, I'll get my needs cared for. That's a conclusion, and it's a good conclusion for a baby that she's figured out how to survive. Now, another baby may cry and cry and cry and escalate her crying and go crazy and writhe her body around, and nobody comes, and then she quiets down and someone comes. That baby could conclude, if I don't say anything and I don't have needs, I'll get my needs cared for. So 
this is how memory forms. It's how beliefs form. They are experiential conclusions that you come to. And those conclusions can be come to through a trauma, through repeated experiences. And what we, we carry with us in our memory is the conclusions. So we work in the clear beliefs method with the conclusions, with the beliefs, with the the behavioral strategies that were developed from that experience. So we're not really healing the past. We're actually changing the memory system that our mind is based on. And because our experience is multidimensional, our beliefs that our conclusions are multidimensional. And there's a lot of techniques out there that purport to change the past, change the mind, clear beliefs, but they're one-dimensional. They're using the verbal mental mind, but our beliefs are experiential. They're not just verbal mental. And our experience has sound and smells and physical forms and even spiritual aspects to it. So if you don't clear the old memories out experientially, multidimensionally, you're only clearing part of it out. So you can change your mind, you could do an affirmation, but it hasn't cleared the subconscious mind or the memory system completely. So it's only a partial or temporary solution. And most of the change methods are partial and temporary. Now, I'm thinking of a specific situation with one of my clients from, gosh, it's probably been 20 years ago. I think I've mentioned it before on the show. We were coaching around his business and that was going along. And then all of a sudden it just, no matter what was happening, he wasn't making any more headway. One of the things that we discovered is there was something else going on in his life that was creating depression for him. I was not skilled at the time to navigate that. I'm still not skilled to navigate that. And so he began to work with a therapist regarding the depression that he was experiencing. And so we had a conversation. Is it a both and? Do you work with your therapist and me as your coach? Or do you go do that work and then come back? In that particular situation, he was like, I just need to put all my attention to address what's going on with the depression. And so we stopped, paused our agreement, and he went to work with them. But how does, as a coach, how do you know, or as a client, when do you work with both? I have a therapist and a coach, and they're two different people, or I have somebody that can do both things, or I need to work with one instead of the other. How do we, as coaches, begin to navigate these ethical practices when blending coaching and therapy and kind of blurring those lines a little bit? First of all, I should say who we don't work with as coaches, even my trained students don't work with people who have diagnosed psychological issues, whether it's clinical depression, narcissistic personality disorder, anything in the DSM that is clinically diagnosed by a clinician, by a psychiatrist or a psychologist, we don't work with those people. If they're on medication for one of those issues, we don't work with those people. We're working with the walking wounded, <laughs> with the, the majority of people who do not have clinical issues but just have stuff in their way. And so I, I want to just say anybody like that, I refer to a therapist. If the person's working with a therapist and we always ask, then we prefer to communicate with the therapist and make sure that we're coordinating with them because we don't want to interfere with their therapy. And some people have worked with therapists for years and then come to me and said, none of that worked. <laughs> I've been in therapy for five years and nothing's changed. And then a few sessions, they say, oh my God, that's what I was looking for for my therapy for all those years. 
So again, it's a blurry line. It's not a comfortable blurry line. It's one that we have to work with and make sense of, but we have some clear distinctions in the midst of all that. So if someone's normal, high functioning, we can work with them and clear their past beliefs and conclusions very easily. If someone's truly wounded, they should see a therapist. I love the way you said it. They don't have clinical issues, just stuff in their way that we just need to move out of their way so they can keep moving forward those blocks. I love that. And you talked about when somebody is working with a therapist, how you coordinate with a therapist. How do you do that? Can you take us in the details? Like, do you just rely on your client to navigate that? Or are you actually saying, hey, client, let's get your therapist on the phone and talk about the work we're doing? Or... Do you say, hey, I'm going to get in touch with your therapist and then just you and the therapist? Like, what does it mean to coordinate with a therapist? Well, first of all, the client has to give you permission to do that. So you ask the client, do I have your permission to contact your therapist and coordinate our work together? And if they say yes, and it's best to get it in writing, then you call up the therapist and say, I'm working with your client, Joe. And then you have a conversation with the therapist. Sometimes therapists say, no, I don't want them doing coaching with you. Okay, that's therapist decision, and they're the licensed people, and they get to decide. But I rarely have that problem because I'm constantly supporting the therapeutic process with my techniques. Now, one of the things when I start with a new client, I would have, I called it a discovery form. Some people call it an intake form, but it was a series, I don't know, it was probably 18, 20 questions that before their first session... I would have my clients complete, we would review it together, and it would kind of be the basis of our coaching relationship and then understanding their goals and where we're going. On your intake form or whatever that initial form is, if you have one, do you include questions like this? Are you working with a therapist? And any questions that really get into some of the more of these deeper-seated issues or clinical diagnosis or anything like that? I do. I ask on my form, have you been diagnosed with any clinical or mental issues? Are you working with a therapist? And I also ask, are you winning in therapy? Because a lot of people are in therapy, but they are now winning. It's not a battle that has an happy ending. It's just on and on and on and on. So I then determine whether I can work with them or not. Are you on any medications for psychological disorders? So it's important that I know those things. Are there any other constraints or boundaries that coaches should be aware of when venturing into, like maybe we just start saying, oh, here's some stuff that's getting in the way. Let's clear those patterns. Let's clear those beliefs. But as, you know, we start venturing into more therapeutic territories, any constraints or boundaries beyond what you've already shared that coaches should be aware of? Well, there's one important one. We use a lot of guided imagery in our work. Guided imagery is not good for people with delusional disorders whether it's multiple personality disorder, which now has a different name, schizophrenia, anything that has to do with delusion, when a person doesn't know the difference between reality and imagination, guided imagery should not be used, period. And so if someone has that disorder, we don't work with them anyway, but that's just an additional warning for coaches who are doing guided imagery, whether it's my techniques or someone else's, that that's dangerous territory. Now, one of the things that I do with my clients, I take more of a what the industry has come to call directive coaching, where I will bring more of that true coach approach, that true coaching inquiry to the conversation. And then there's times because I'm working with them on their business, it's like, 
I don't need to coach you around this. Like you just need to know X, Y, and Z so you can implement X, Y, and Z. And so now I put on probably more of a consulting hat. And a lot of times when I do that, I will bring that transparently in the conversation. And I'll say, I'm going to put on a consulting hat for a second because we're creating this and I've been studying this for 20 years. And so here's what I know works the best. And so here's this X, Y, Z. And it's just a telling kind of moment. And then I coach them around integrating that, learning that, creating that, applying it, whatever. Do you do that when you are like, I've got the coach hat on, I'm venturing more into therapy area, I'm putting that hat on. Are you that transparent in the roles that you're playing or does it all just kind of blend together? Well, for me, it blends together because I'm very directive. I tell people what to do next to explore their own consciousness, to explore their own subconscious mind. And then I recommend things to them to explore. So I do not follow that guideline of coaching, which is we don't advise, we don't consult, we just evoke from the person. I think that that's also a false idea because not everybody has the skills, or as you said, the knowledge to know what to do next. They don't have it inside them. So we have to inform them, here's a good next step. So yeah, for me, it's a blend because I'm using my entire background, 25 years as a headhunter, 40 years of self-development, I'm bringing all of those tools to bear on the problem. And if I had different hats and had to describe each one each time, I, I would spend more time describing which hat I'm wearing than actually doing the process. <laughs> now, sometimes I go back to that. I just love the way you said it, where we just have stuff to get in the way that we need to clear that past pattern, right? And so we we'll, Maybe we're working with a client and we're clearing that. And I've had that happen with my clients. We start looking at, here's the steps that you need to take. Here's what you've committed to. It's not happening again and again. So let's look a little like what's really going on, what's getting in your way. We start exploring it. And what initially seems kind of like, I'll call it a surface level pattern or just a way they've been doing things their life. They don't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, this comes from, I know where this originated from. And so all of a sudden it's, we're going deeper. So if it brings up some unexpected reactions or some of those deep-seated issues for clients, like how do you handle situations where the coaching session might transition into those deeper, maybe more therapeutic areas? Well, that's what I'm looking for in my work is the deepest source of where did this pattern come from? I'll give you a great example. I was working with a multimillionaire and the reason he was a multimillionaire is because he made millions, then he lost millions. And he made millions, then he lost millions. And people call me the subconscious pattern detective. So he came to me and he said, why is this happening? I've tried everything. I make a lot of money and then I lose it. And in about three sessions, I got him back to a memory that he didn't remember remembering. That's one of the things we do is we open up the memory banks to earlier and earlier experiences. He was three years old walking on the streets in New York with his mother hand in hand. And he saw a shiny penny on the ground and he reached down to pick it up and he was very excited. And his mother jerked him back and said, don't touch that. It's dirty. And he suddenly realized that the reason he couldn't hold on to his money is because it was dirty and he shouldn't touch it. Wow. That's wow. And that's the kind of thing we're looking for. Like, what was it that caused the surface pattern, the presenting problem? What is the source of that? And so we're always going deep into the source material of consciousness, of memory, of the mind. Memory is malleable. So you can actually 
cause people to remember things that didn't happen and they don't remember things that did happen. And so we work a lot with going back into the past and clearing what happened. We're not changing the past. We're changing the memory of the past. We're changing the conclusion of the past. Now, outside of your training, I mean, it's, it's a good one. I've known a lot of coaches that have gone through it and rave about it. For those aspiring coaches that are listening in to this conversation and saying, wow, that a blended approach, it really makes sense. So for those that are looking to incorporate elements of therapy into their practice, are there other skills or additional insights or trainings that they need to really pay attention to or be mindful of? For me, education is really important. Part of what coaches need to understand is how trauma works and how trauma creates behavior patterns. So getting trauma-informed is really important, whether you're actually doing trauma-informed coaching or not, because we need to understand people. We need to understand how the mind works, where behaviors come from, because we're working with human beings, and human beings are complicated. <laughs> they're, they're very complicated. I've documented the dimensions of a human being, and it includes not just physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual, the four big standards, but relational, cultural, social, financial, economic. <laughs> all these are parts of us. And the more you understand about all the aspects of being human, the better you are at working with humans. I love that. Just really understanding who we're working with. Now, looking ahead, you mentioned it earlier, like the coaching industry began to take shape because it didn't want to have the some of the constraints that therapy had or once had. And there was a different approach. So we're going to focus on the future. But as we look ahead, do you see the landscape of coaching evolving with this more integrative approach? Like, do you think we're heading towards a future where the lines between therapy and coaching are becoming blurred? Where do you think we're heading with this? My hope is that it does expand and blur because I think the dividing lines are arbitrary and not useful. Interestingly, psychology is also expanding. There's more embodied psychotherapy and there's more experiential psychotherapy. When I first heard that psychologists and psychotherapists were doing experiential therapy, I went, great, it's about time. I've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad they finally caught up. There's a new field uh, called memory reconsolidation. And when I found that about five years ago, I went, great, I've been doing that for 20 years. <laughs> so psychology is also expanding into these fields and the techniques that I'm using and have been teaching for a long time. So coaching does need to evolve. I mean, there's so many coaches, most of them are not really well-trained. Most of them you know, have a technique or a set of techniques to, to use, and they work sometimes with some people, but not most of the time with most people. So my hope is that coaching will go through a process of kind of gleaning out what really works from what doesn't work, and that it will grow and expand and to the point where we're coaching whole human beings in a holistic way rather than in a narrow way. I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, just a couple of years outside of the pandemic, I don't even think we've begun to barely scratch the surface with the emotional, intellectual, mental health and like all, and all the ways that impact that that has left on people. And I think as coaches, we are going to have to be aware of that and mindful of that, whether we are the ones that get into that work. Like you said, we just have to understand how humans work. And that's going to be a big part of it. I think that's going to influence 
the trajectory of the coaching industry for sure. Absolutely. We have to be trauma-informed, psychologically informed, and humanistically informed. We're dealing with a whole person who has a spiritual life. Spiritual coaching isn't separate from mental coaching or emotional coaching or physical coaching. We're dealing with a human being. They have a complicated life of many dimensions. They are multidimensional people having multidimensional experiences and creating multidimensional beliefs out of them. And so if we don't take a multidimensional approach, we're missing something. We have to include the subconscious, the conscious mind, and the superconscious mind, the higher self. So that's the view that I teach. And that's the, all the techniques are based on the fact that um, to clear a multidimensional belief, you have to use multidimensional techniques. I love it. Let's summarize some of the things that we've talked about today. We got in, just dove right in with coaching versus therapy and how coaches, you know, the premise is we look at the present and future, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, they look at the past. And I love how you brought into it that it's not about the past, it's about the experience and more specifically the memory and working with that and we're healing the memory and addressing the beliefs and the conclusions that were created throughout our whole life. I love how you reminded us that it's important to say who we don't work with, those clinically diagnosed folks that have very specific issues, and then to talk about who we do work with. And you gave it the phrase, the, the walking wounded. They don't have clinical issues. There's just stuff in the way that we've got to get out of the way so that we can move forward with them. You gave us amazing questions to include on our intake form to help bring this up in the forefront. We talked about some constraints and boundaries uh, and some things you want to really pay attention to if you're going to get into this work. You talked about how to handle situations where coaching transition into deeper works. And with your particular line of work, like that's what you're looking for. We want to go deeper. What, what causes those surface level patterns? And then at the very end, I, I really love how you talked about no matter what, we have to understand how trauma works, whether we're doing this kind of work or working in that therapy role, we have to understand it. We need to know how humans work because we're working with the whole human. Lion, do you have any parting words for our listeners? My favorite parting words are these. If you're having a problem in your coaching practice, look into your beliefs. If you're having a problem in a relationship, look into your beliefs. If you're having a problem with money or finance or marketing, look into your beliefs about those topics because our beliefs are the infrastructure of the human mind. And if we can change the infrastructure, we, everything else changes. Everything works from the inside out. And so our coaching process works when it's inside out rather than outside in. I love that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Lion Goodman for this great conversation and coming back to the show. You can find out more about him at introductiontobeliefs.com. That's introduction to beliefs, plural, dot com. It's the level one of the Clear Beliefs training. And in the show notes, you'll also find a link to his free ebook, Clear Your Clients Limiting Beliefs, and a link to his article about trauma-informed therapeutic coaching. Lion, thank you so much for coming back to the show. Thank you, Melinda. It's a total delight. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Soul Savvy Business and Self-Awakened Lifestyle. To catch the great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Mirror CFM's YouTube channel or your favorite podcast player. 
And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment or a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you and see you next time. Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud. We can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.